Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 90. This cast is always sponsored by GatheringMagic.com and CoolStuffInc.com, your number one place for all your Magic the Gathering needs. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, a sweet 25% buyless bonus, and of course their ever popular customer rewards program, we recommend that you check them out. I'm joined this week, of course, with my co-host Jim Casali. I apologize for my setup this week. I am about to fly to the other side of the world, so it's a little, uh, not exactly the best quality this week. Um, Jim is finally here. Ed is in Tokyo and cannot get on the cast, and Travis has his own stuff going on. So it's just two of us, but of course, we have a returning guest this week. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, what's up? I'm Chaz. I uh, work with uh, Quiet Speculation. You might know me from there or on the MTG Goldfish podcast, but uh, I've taken a little bit of a sabbatical for some of my content. But here I am. I mean, this is a long time coming. Jeremy has tried to get me on. There's always just conflict or like schedule conflict issues. So I tried to make some time and I, I really do appreciate you having me back. Right. And Jim, how do you feel about being asked to be back on the podcast as a co-host once again for the 90th time in a row? I would appreciate if you didn't tell me I was late when I was five minutes early because that would always been late. Jim is always late. I'm actually almost never late. And when I, I'm going to be late, I give you at least like a 10 minute like heads up. Hey, I might be a little bit late. You like the day of like Five minutes before we cast. Oh, I can't make it, guys. I got like stuff going. I got a date tonight. <laughs> yeah, and that actually went well. So thanks. G Jim uh, was early. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, as far as our schedules go, Travis will be back on next week. Ed will not be on next week because he will still be in Japan. I will be in the West Bank, and it is not for my safety. Is not it is not advisable to be recording in the West Bank. Uh, so I will be taking a week off as well. But Jim and Travis, and I believe Cliff is joining us next week. But of course, we're here with Chaz, who has his own little insights on exactly what's going on. Now, Jim, I know you said you weren't going to buy Masters 25 singles uh, at like the release weekend. But like, what happened, man? We uh, we saw you just sort of go a little ham. Everything was so cheap. man. I was just like, it's not going to get that cheap the weekend of a release. Like, People seemed really hyped for it. People seemed like they were. I mean, sorry. I don't want. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. People seemed excited about certain cards, but like overall, they were not excited for the set, which I understand. But it looks like people actually enjoyed drafting it a lot, or or bought a lot more than I was expecting, because the prices just like fell through the floor over the weekend, and I don't know. I, I had some numbers in mind of what I wanted to pay on certain things, and then they got to those numbers, so I bought them. And then I kind of did the thing that I that you you should do if you're also looking to buy cards on TCG Player, which is I found a seller that had like a pretty high shipping rate, and then just went through their store and bought all their stuff for super cheap. So that's that's a lot, a lot of what happened to me. Like I didn't intend to buy a whole lot of stuff, but then TCG Player had a five percent kickback, and then everything was also like bottling out super quickly. I assume people were just selling their draft stuff right away. So I don't know. I just ended up with a bunch of cards. I don't know what I did. I don't know how this happened. I know what's definitely going to happen if you keep clicking links while you're trying to speak, because I swear to God, Jim. Uh, Chaz, how is M25 going for you? Is there anything that you've appreciated seeing lately or not really? Uh, so 
when Tarkin and I do actually have the time to podcast, uh, <laughs> which is uh, really uh, yeah. almost <laughs> like a, a, a an event these days. But uh, I, you know, we we went back and forth. Overall, I accepted M25 for what it is. Uh, I, I think they kind of wanted to try to go in a different direction with these master sets. And obviously they put out an article saying that they wanted to like theme these and like kind of go a different way with their design. Um, I accepted that it was going to be a good draft format. And there were a few cards in there that are definitely worthwhile, uh, especially when they had this kind of selling point of foils with the watermark. A lot of that stuff looks really nice. Uh, so I did appreciate some stuff like, uh, Vindicate with the watermark, Pernicious D with the watermark, just little things here and there that I can pick up like for a pretty cheap price. I mean, I, I'm with Jim here. I did not even expect uh, prices to drop as drastically as uh, they have this fast. But I mean, it's kind of par for the course now for these master sets. Um, but some of these cards like Imperial Recruiter, I mean, you just know that card is just a $200 card just hiding behind a $30 card dollar card or price tag because just it was so scarce and it's from portal 3k so i i think it's going to do its job in terms of what every master set sets out to do is to drop prices uh, of basically whatever is in the set um and provide some accessibility so on that front uh, i think it was a success yeah and i mean i sold like a hundred boxes of masters 25 i saw that yeah, and now that's not even considered a uh, a competitive price anymore. Uh, with prices having taken a tragic slip lately, it's just like a lot of people just are like one fifty five. Like, can you do one fifty? It's like no, because then I don't make money on a box. Like, it's just not worth it for me. Is tragic uh, slip even in the set? No, but it's no. a really good con. <laughs> no, <I know. laughs> Would have been no. better if there was a card in the set, though. Yeah, no. Yeah, but he, you made the pun and you got the joke, so he feels vindicated. Oh, okay, okay. Correct. I with with uh, puns like tragic slip, I can come up with those in an instant. Uh, sometimes they'll leave your opponents feeling swamped, though, but only if they have an Erberg in hey. front. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was real interesting. There's a couple cards, and I'll save one of them for pick of the week. Uh, the foil multipliers on a lot of this stuff is super low. Uh, you have stuff like Animar being foiled for the first time, Prosh being foiled for the first time. We sold a bunch of those on TCG, and I was not expecting the multiplier that um, they have. I think we sold Prosh at $90, and we sold Animar at, at both 50 and then that got bought out instantly, and then we sold them again at 80 and that got bought out instantly as well. Um, this was the first day of release, but it's just crazy to see some of the multipliers that these carts have. And it's something to keep an eye on, especially if you open some of these commons and uncommons or like they're you're, you're asking for them in trade value as like a dollar off. Like, yeah, throw in this foil. What's a good card from this set? Like Unearth or something, which really isn't worth that much. Or like foil counterspell is not worth that much. Foil brainstorm is not worth that much. A little more than a dollar, but just something that there could be potential in the long run for these foils. So it's something to definitely keep an eye on especially at the foil watermark. I was actually impressed with the foiling process. Now there's a lot of people talking about car quality, but it didn't seem as bad as previous master sets, especially MM15. That's good to hear, because I have yet to open a booster pack and I have a ton of stuff in the mail. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, Chaz, have you physically held any of the uh, 25 cards yet? Uh, not yet, but I'm going off what you have said and what uh, a lot of folks uh, have you know, said and have record of that the car quality has been pretty okay overall. Um, nothing really crazy. Uh, they 
it does seem like they kind of curl ever so slightly still, but um, hopefully they kind of work that out. But I, I don't think uh, it's been too terrible. And the foiling process, like you said, has been pretty good. Yeah, and when people look at these cards, we don't want them to be completely negative about Masters 25 card quality. Uh, that would leave them to have a warped sense of exactly what the card quality is on this uh, on this set. So it's something to keep in mind that the quality is definitely improved, but they still can work on more stuff. Uh, Jim, do you have a credit winner for this week since I forgot to submit it last week since I was flying all over the world? Well, unfortunately, we answered all of our questions last week, but... On the upside, Ed messed up and told someone that they won when they didn't win. So we're just going to pretend that this person has won because we've made a mistake. And I wasn't even on the cast to do it. That feels real good. Does uh, it? Yeah. It wasn't me this time. Uh, even though, even though I didn't submit the cast in time. So yeah, it was also my fault. Um, so yeah, person who Ed uh, lied about winning. What is his question? So he didn't lie about him winning. We just answered it on the cast. So his name is uh, David Shum. And he, uh, well, since neither of you were here last week, we can do the question again, since now we can get some new uh, insight into this. So the you question mean he perspectives? Asked, it's a cycling question. Oh my God. You are the worst. You big god for one week, and you just have to like do twice as many puns when you get back. You better hope I get shot in Gaza next week, then. But continue with the question. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't wish that on anyone. That's not nice to joke about. Um. So what he asked was, uh, you mentioned on the cast that Q1 is the best time of the year to cash out. A lot of people get their tax returns and whatnot, and they're excited to play Magic again. What are the best times you think to buy into cards? Jazz. Hmm. Normally, I'd, I'd say uh, during the lulls of the summer and during the like holiday times, a lot of folks really put out some some great like coupons and deals and specials, and that's like probably the best time to get some stuff uh, cheaper than it normally is. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say those are two of the best times. And then yeah, Q one is probably the best time to. Uh, to be selling stuff too. I'm going to say whatever Ed said, I will agree with his sentiment <laughs> on the matter. Oh man, uh, that's such an original perspective. Thank you for bringing it to the cast. So yeah, actually I can mention this cause I wasn't here last week. So legacy is dead. We had a 156 legacy tournament uh, with vintage sides that were four or five round vintage sides. And then we had modern sides and legacy sides. Uh, we were really aggressive at the time on staples. I was paying 55 on Cavern of Souls when TCG Low was 62. I was paying 60 on Tarmogoyf when TCG Low was 70. I was paying 70 on Karn when TCG Low was 80. And I was paying 7,000 on Black Lotus and 1,500 on Juzam Uh We got a lot of stuff in like that. And then about two days later, prices went up 10 to 15%. And I made our margins look really good. Uh, the reason why I did that is because I knew that modern season fuels demand. It's a it's a cycle effect at this point where uh, prices always go up in quarter one, and it is a good time to cash out. So I put my money where my mouth was. Um, I picked up a lot of staples, and I've just been liquidating them as fast as possible when I've been in the country and been able to sell them. Uh, and even on stuff like Quiet Speculation, I've been moving a bunch of staples on that website as well. Um, yeah, so... Like, 
you had from November to the end of January, really, to pick up stuff that was definitely underpriced. And now it's a really good time to just dump as much as you can. Um, and if you were smart and you paid a good enough price or you're able to flip it fast enough to your contacts, uh, just get rid of everything that you're not actually playing with and then be ready to reinvest later in the year. That's what I would recommend. Yeah. That, that, that's what we're doing. It, MTG Finance is no longer about speculating and making insane returns. It's about making playing cheaper. And yep. unless you're vending, uh, both sides should be doing the same thing, which is get cards in as fast as possible at the correct rates, get them out as fast as possible, and don't look back. Uh, unless like you get a deal that's just too good to be true, you're taking advantage of arbitrage. Otherwise, just get something, sit on it, wait for it to go up, sell it, repeat, and don't buy in too high. That's what I recommend. Absolutely. I can definitely get on board on that. Uh, been talking about that for a while. I, I do think in terms of this, like, you, you know, you talk about seasonal and cyclical, the nature of modern. I do think the, well, at that time, I don't think M25 was out, but Iconic Masters just dropped. It did bring down the prices of a couple cards, uh, just some like random cards like Oriok Champion. You had cards like uh, Horizon Canopy, B Grove of the Burn Willows. I mean, those were pretty significant price tags before they were reprinted i mean i don't think people remember really like oriok champion was nearly a 20 dollar card for like no reason um so people really don't forget you know i think they forget that fairly quickly when they see a five dollar price tag like a release weekend well you know that's kind of what happens um and then the json banning i really think they just injected a lot of hype into modern and i think that kind of facilitated a lot of buying uh, especially the last like month or to uh, when you see, you know, you mentioned a couple of those cards, Jeremy. Tarmogoyf is increasing. Uh, uh, Dark Confidant is increasing. All those cards that just have been depressed by reprints for so long are now, even with, with those reprints, are increasing because everyone's just getting into the format. And that's something where you saw a lot of people that were longtime financiers, they were saying, oh, Dark Confidant has a, a price tag memory. That's why it's not dropping any lower. The reason why Dark Confidant didn't drop lower when it was seeing zero play in modern is because it had demand in other avenues like Cube. And some people do play that in EDH, as funny as that might sound, because I've played and sold many Dark Confidants to them. Um, they should just play Deathwish. Yeah, you know, I don't. As long as they're paying me for the card and and they're putting it in their decks, I do not care. Uh, but that it wasn't just a price memory thing. It was that this card is actually good, and it was all about waiting for the correct time to sell that. Same with Tarmogoyf. I mean, now we're going to see Tarmogoyf most likely hit a hundred dollars before the end of the year if it doesn't get a reprint. Uh, and that's something where you know you could you could have just bought as many Tarmogoyfs as you wanted when they went down to like 50 or 55 on Facebook and just sat on them for a while and made a gamble that paid off with a pretty good ROI over a couple of months. Uh, so that's just something you have to keep an eye out for. And as Chaz mentioned, uh, Jace is selling like hotcakes. Bloodbraid is selling like, I mean, Bloodbraid sales have just been insane. I cannot believe we're selling them for like six or seven now. And obviously we sold out when they were a dollar or two, but like the volume of moving these Bloodbraids and making a dollar or $2 on every copy and doing that a couple of times a week really helps to pay your bills or make magic cheaper. Um, and then you also have stuff that's rising just because the meta shifting now. I mean, Karn is going absolutely crazy. Mox Opal, I don't, I can't believe Mox Opal is like an $80 card right now. I did not expect that. That's something I had zero copies of. Um, and Masterpieces are, are going crazy too. Masterpieces started getting bought out last night. And I mean, I know Ed was, even though he's not on the cast, he was scrambling to get as many as possible because he could have oversold them. We, 
you know, you just don't really know. Uh, and demand for moderns at an all time high. So sell into that hype. If it continues to go up, at least you locked in your profit and then just move on and wait for the next opportunity. That's what I would recommend anyway. Yeah. You have to also remember that between iconic masters and masters 25 also, it wasn't that about the cards that were in the set. And, you know, we were just talking about cards that weren't reprinted. I mean, it just made so many waves in the market about stuff that was left out because people were really waiting. I mean, this was a huge thing. You know, everyone's like, oh, wait until Iconic Masters. Then Iconic Masters drop. Oh, well, we have M25 right around the corner. So this certain card could get reprinted again. Once Iconic and Modern Ma or Masters 25 are now out of the way, uh, I do think it's going to be a while but, uh, before we see another Masters set. So whatever was not in there, uh, we're starting to see like even cards with high price tags already. I mean, Dark Confidant. Celestial Colonnade is like, I, you can't even, I mean, Celestial Colonnades are coming, like going as fast as you can acquire them. Um, and with Jace being unbanned, everything is on the table now. So that just kind of further, just another point to add to this kind of buying frenzy of uh, getting into modern and people really, really enjoy it. I mean, the format is just, just itself from a play perspective is just in a great spot. And from a TO perspective, we're definitely looking at running a modern 5K in a couple months because the format is so popular right now versus running another legacy 5K. So it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, you've I seen even some some card prices keep going up of like stuff that you would not expect, like things that have recently rotated out of standard. If you have like all of your shadows over Innistrad stuff still sitting in a box, do you know how much tireless trackers are right now? They're fifteen dollars or collective brutality, but that's yeah, or, what a lot of people called it rotation. To be fair, a tireless tracker. You thought that was going to be a modern staple? No, like, collective the... brutality is one where a lot of people had their eyes on it. Sure, sure, tireless sure. tracker. Very few people that I that I follow called that. Yeah. It was definitely like keep a lookout for tireless tracker, but not aggressively buy as many tireless trackers as you possibly can. I mean, the card is fantastic, but I'm with Jim here. Uh, I mean, and, and Jeremy, I, I did not expect uh, an increase of that, you know, per, that kind of percentage. So I guess you're saying none of us financiers had a clue about its price tag? That is yeah, not true. That, I, uh, when, when tireless trackers were like $2, I was like, man, you got to get these before EDH players realize they're cheap. And then they just, they just became the best thing to cascade into. Like people want to play Ponza and they need four tireless trackers. So now they're just gone from the internet. Yeah, we really should have kept track of that price, Jim. Thanks for the uh, thanks for that uh, little tidbit. <laughs> All right, those last two were pretty good. I, I will admit. Thanks. No, they're not. Don't encourage them. Don't do that. Um, so thank you for the question. And Jim, where can people leave a question when this cast goes up on time? When I remember tomorrow. Well, if if you remember to put the cast up, you can find it at gatheringmagic.com. Usually every Tuesday or whenever Jeremy decides to send it in. Uh, if you leave a question, uh, we will pick you uh, a question at random every week to answer on the cast. If your, cast, if your question gets chosen, you can send me a message on Twitter or Facebook, and I will send you a $25 gift certificate for CoolStuffInc.com. And moving on, of course, we did have Dominaria start to get spoiled. I believe you guys talked about this last week a little bit as well, but I just want to add my take and Chaz's take to the conversation. Uh, the set does look like something that they're trying to do to revitalize magic. Ixalan was cool for casual players, but it didn't seem to have the same level of design as uh, Dominaria or like the same level of flavor. I think this is going to be the, the breaking point for a lot of players on whether or not the card quality, the gameplay, and 
how good standard is, uh, whether or not they continue to play magic. There's a lot of players that have been getting burned over the past couple of years. And I don't know how much longer they can stomach bad sets or bad card quality or whatever's going on with them. I mean, seven bands throughout standard uh, lifetime was a little much to deal with. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is with eBay's coupons, it was possible for people to literally buy cases of Dominaria for below distributor cost. Um, so we may see an influx of very cheap singles, which would be even better for standard as it means more people along with the challenger decks can play magic. Um, but it's something where a lot of people who have been buying an extra box, which you shouldn't do anyway, to try and resell it and make money. Uh, this is something where a lot of people are going to get burned, especially on this set, just because the margins are so small with everybody having access to cheap boxes. And th the same thing is true of Iconic Masters boxes at $100 or Masters 25 at 150 The floor for singles is so much lower, but that means there's more money to be made in the long term as prices depreciate farther than we thought. And I can understand why Jim pulled the trigger on some cards, but it's just something to keep in mind that this will be a very cheap standard set. And even if they, even if they don't bring back standard showdown boosters, um, it's going to be real cheap to play standard for a while. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, and people getting cases at 480 to $500 shipped is just obscene. And I don't know how I'll be making money on this set necessarily, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a lot a lot's riding on the set, I think. And I've never really felt that I've had to say that about a Magic set before. Um, you did bring up a lot of good points there, Jeremy. I mean, the, the the card stock quality has been an issue. Not one for me, because, I mean, I just love Magic regardless. And, and a lot of people love Magic regardless. And uh, But it is an issue. And, uh, you know, you're right. It's been a bumpy road with seven bands and Standard. Standard has been all over the place. I think it's been kind of stable, at least. For a little while uh but it looks like dominaria is just trying to hit all of the heartstrings of all the players and and kind of branch out into every corner of magic and kind of bring uh, as many folks uh back and retain as many people as they can that have already been playing i mean you have all these different uh tribal cards like elves and birds and uh, homerids and wizards so it, it does kind of um it has a little bit of everything for all types of players, um, and especially for those that have been playing the game for a very long time. Um, from what was leaked and what I can see so far, it does look fun. Um, and I personally enjoyed Ixalan, um, you know, drafting and playing sealed. So if they can just keep that and, and just kind of right the ship in terms of where standard was, it seems like they're on the right track, but, uh, this set looks really fun so far. Um, and uh, I, I do think it will it will cause uh, additional interest and hype into like pretty much all corners of Magic. I mean, like I said, if you're introducing tribes that we haven't seen for at least a while and have like a lot of support, um, there might be a lot of secondary spending on older cards and just the, the nostalgia factor. And that's I think that's like w what their goal was. So I, right. I, from the from the start. It, and just I, we don't have the whole set, but we have a good number. We have a good chunk of it. Um, you know, as unfortunate as that can be, um, the way the method where we got it, but uh, it does seem that that was one of their goals. And so far, it looks like they're they're hitting that. What do you want to add, Jim? Um, I talked about this last week a lot, but 
basically, um, I think there's a lot of cards that people will be interested in for various sections of the game, but I think it is a little too early to really uh, understand what's going to happen when the set gets released. Like, yeah, we got a lot of exciting cards, but we don't have all the, like, really important glue cards that really, like, make decks. So it's really too early to be able to understand what, how this is going to impact the uh, the standard format or modern or commander. Like, there's just a lot of stuff going on in this set. That's right. a really good point. All right, let's move into pick of the week. It is tradition for Ed to go first, but uh, he probably forgot his pick since he is currently barreling towards Osaka at 500 miles an hour. I think he's over the Pacific right now. I can probably check his flight. Uh, but we'll, we'll start with Chaz this week. Chaz, do you have a pick of the week for this cast since uh, – You've you've had time to stockpile them away from the QS cast as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I was actually discussing this and looking this over. This has been you know popping up on interest, and more recently, like uh, you see cards like Timna the Weaver. Uh, I was kind of revisiting Commander 2016 and just like the partners in general. Those cards are really powerful, and I know people know they're really powerful, but they they definitely seem under costed like timna is probably the most versatile so i kind of understand uh this this kind of second price spike i know it had a a price increase a while ago and then kind of tapered off a little bit and now it's kind of back in full force but you look at cards like Silas ren you look at cards like vile smasher even um i forget the uh, uh offhand the like the blue red uh like ogre zombie that one's played a lot too that's like really that's chrom yeah chrom uh, the problem is, and I'm looking at this again, like, isn't there a Commander Anthology coming out again? So I, I don't know why there's like this sudden interest, uh, especially with like a, a reprint essentially around the corner. So I was looking at those. Um, they can still be pretty lucrative, e even with an imminent reprint, because they're they're pretty cheap. I mean, I think like Seawas Ren's like two bucks. I mean, that's a, already a pretty good price uh, for a card like that. Um, and if it if it increases and then gets reprinted, I mean, probably like if it increases to 10 and then in the short term gets reprinted, probably settles around like five, six, because that car is just really powerful. Um, other than that, I was looking at the uh, Kamigawa. Um, I guess the best way to say this, is like the flip cards, uh, because yeah. it's, it, those cards are really hard to reprint. Um, and now that kind of iconic masters and masters 25 is out of the way and they didn't like touch any of those cards. Um, it kind of just furthers the the notion that the, there's not very many good avenues to reprint these cards, and then especially in foil. Um, and I know a few of those cards are really powerful. Um, I know I mentioned a while back. I mean, I was I kind of picked up a couple for myself: the uh, Kuan uh, Ogre Ascendant, and just cards of those nature. So I guess those are like my general picks of those categories of cards. But uh, right. I do like. In terms of partner, I would prioritize like Silas Ren. Um, you know, Timna already increased, but you have uh, Kuan or Krom. Is it Krom? And then Kuan Ogre Ascendant. Um, and uh, there's like a, a red one too that flips into a pretty powerful enchantment as well. Uh, I think it's like a an Anthem effect. Uh, all your creatures get. It's, it's the red one. I can't remember its name. Well, Jim would have been the only one that played during Kamigawa, I guess. I, I did play during Kamigawa. I can't remember all these Can cards. You tell me about the War Grandpa. Um, yeah, that's it. The Great Kami War was won by Stone Rain. <laughs> oh my God! And Can we Boomerang. put you guys in nursing homes already? No, I'm kidding. I don't want to offend like all of our listeners that are over the age of thirty. Um, yeah, Jim, what's your pick of the week? 
My pick this week is Azure's Gateway. The card was pretty hyped when the set came out. People are not really drafting rivals of Ixalan anymore. Um, I can't imagine a, a way that this gets very much cheaper than it is right now. This is the kind of card that's going to be a commander staple in like the worst kinds of ways. Like whenever there's a card that gets reprinted that untaps the land and does like something else, like kind of flashy, this card's going to get probably bought out. Um, I've been waiting a lot, a long time myself to buy into it, but I think now is just probably the best time. It, it probably doesn't get very much cheaper until it rotates, and if for some reason someone decides that in standard it could become a thing, because like this card works the best when you have like a lot of different converted mana costs in your deck, which if you're playing a lot of legendary permanents or spells, you might just play a bunch, like a number of like a lot of ones instead of a lot of fours, and you can have a very large diverse. Uh, casting costs in your deck. Makes so sense. it could even be a standard thing at some point in time. It's like $5 as a mythic. I can't imagine it gets cheaper than this. Yep. My pick of the week is Myriad Landscape. Full disclosure, as I will explain in a second, this card is played in every commander deck that is three colors or less that most of my players want to build. Uh, this is a card with uh, tur with. Potential in the, sh in the midterm, I want to say. I think this gets reprinted again in Commander. Uh, the buy-in for this card is extremely low. Full disclosure, I bought 500 copies from Japan last night at 20 yen each. I bought 38 Japanese foils from 400 yen to 700 yen last night. And Ed is also flying overseas to clean out the Japanese market of these and bring them back to me. Um, this is a card that is easily going to go up from like the 30 cents it is on TCG player to a dollar by the end of the year. You're going to see this on Bilas, um for 50 cents by the end of the year, most likely through our sponsors, Cool Stuff Inc., most likely through Channel Fireball. Star City will probably keep their Bilas at a dime, uh, but this is a card that vendors love getting in. They love selling it, and a lot of people are not going to pull these out of bulk. So if you get bulk in a trade or if you're picking through bulk, pull these out. This is better than a bulker with way more upside, and this is going to be free money by the end of the year, even if it gets reprinted again. Absolutely. I, I think this I like is one that. of the easiest money calls and most confident money calls I've made since Memory Jar. Um, I do not see how I can lose money on this card. And I understand that people don't like our podcast on Reddit talking about buying out cards. I am just putting my money where my mouth is and I'm just closing how many I'm buying. Uh, I think this is just easy money. So I bought six. Y'all saw my post. Uh, did we? Yeah, I posted on Twitter. I, I posted everything oh, that I bought. Sure. I bought, I bought six copies, so I get the minimum $2 I need to yeah. get it shipped. I believe Hiroyuya will be restocking these at $0.30 cents each if anyone else wants to try Japanese arbitrage. I did clean them out of Japanese foils. I think Tokyo MTG got cleaned out of foils. I know Yellow Submarine, Big Magic. Um, what were the other ones? In, uh, like Mulan or something. I just like got as many as I can, and I'm going to throw them in a box and wait a year, and then just like go buy myself a, a, a McDonald's something. <laughs> the profits. Uh, but this is an easily buy-listable card that all the vendors want, that they sell very well, that a lot of players ask for now that they know the card exists, because that's one of those cards that people don't know exists, because it was only in Commander decks up until this point. Um, so it's just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Myriad went... Uh, yeah, that one definitely sells uh, pretty briskly. Yep, it's definitely a card like you need now. Um, it's it, uh, I do like that one a lot. Cool. Well, transitioning into the end of this cast, as we're like fast fast finance, but with bigger egos. Where can people find you guys? 
You can find me in the OK State of Florida, and you can find me on Twitter at P-H-R-O-S-T underscore. Uh, you can find me on Gathering Magic every other week, and you can find me on this fine podcast. Uh, you can't really find me right now, but uh, you can find my work on Quiet Speculation. I, I do appreciate everyone asking about me, and I uh, I did have to take a hiatus to focus on work. Um, you know, I can't mess up this opportunity when you try to <laughs> move into full-time and not have to grind out uh, being uh, an adjunct anymore. So had to stay, take a step back, but I, I promise I will try to be back as soon as I can. So, uh, But for now, you can you can see my work on Quiet Speculation. Appreciate it, folks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Missouri MTG. You could find me up until very soon in the great state of Missouri. Um, we're going to run another 5K. I'll probably tweet about it. Um, you can find us on Twitter at cartel underscore finance, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, MTG Cast, our sponsors, Gathering Magic, uh, all that fun stuff. There's one more. Pl- oh, right. Um, I won't be here next week. Ed won't be here next week. Travis and uh, Cliff from MTG Price will be joining us. Um, I have a cartel slash followers meetup on April 1st. I won't pull the April Fool's prank and just not show up. Uh, I have an eight-hour layover in JFK. So I know there's a bunch of MTG finance people that want to meet up in Manhattan. If you're interested in that, shoot me a message on Twitter. I think we have five or six people going right now. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Chaz. We do appreciate it. Uh, as he said, he is very active on the Quiet Speculation Discord, uh, which is available to insiders only, but this isn't even an advertisement for Quiet Speculation. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> we will see some of you guys next week. I hope everyone has a good one, and as always, have a good night. Bye. Thanks for having